We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Let's go to Psalm chapter 13. Can we do that tonight? Psalm chapter 13. I want to read all six verses of this Psalm of David, and then we'll get into the message tonight. Psalm chapter 13 and verse 1. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me. Consider and hear me, O my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say, I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. We don't know for sure the context in which David penned these words. Many believe, and perhaps some of you are of this belief, that it was written during one of the times that Saul was hunting him and trying to kill him. And certainly that's a possibility, maybe even a probability, but we're not told exactly. And as someone has suggested, that may not be an altogether bad thing. Because if we knew the exact situation and the exact circumstances that David was facing that prompted this psalm, then we may be tempted to say, well, David was going through this or David was going through that, so that's why he wrote what he wrote. And maybe we would be tempted to just blow this off because those are not our exact circumstances. I think it's somewhat the same with Paul's thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what that was. Now, there's a lot of opinion and a lot of speculation, but at the end of the day, that's all it is. It's 
opinion and it's speculation. And it's probably a good thing that we don't know exactly what it was so that we would not think falsely that God's grace is only sufficient for that particular thing. But we know tonight and understand tonight that God's grace is sufficient for our every need when we need it. Whatever David was going through, I think it's safe to say that it was a dark time. And by his own admission, he was struggling to see God. Have you ever been there? Say, well, preacher, I'm there now. I get it. I'm talking about a dark time when, when God seemed distant, a dark time that, that seemed like it would never end. Maybe it was a prolonged season or perhaps it is a prolonged season of illness or chronic pain either in your life or in the life of someone you love. Perhaps it was the devastating end to a relationship or the sudden tragic loss of a friend or loved one. It could have been a feeling of abandonment or rejection or betrayal that made it feel so dark. As I thought about my ministry friends, I thought about any number of things that could and no doubt have accounted for some very dark days in the ministry. I have a number of pastor friends that I pray for on a regular basis whose lives have been made dark because of a wayward child. Others are living in the darkness of a betrayal that took them completely by surprise. They never saw it coming. For some, it's a feeling of loneliness. Sometimes the ministry can be lonely, though we're surrounded by all these people. Honestly, it could be any number of things that cause us to feel as though the bottom has dropped out from under us and we have plunged headlong into a bottomless pit of despair and or dis uh, disappointment or discouragement or depression or desperation. David was there. And admittedly, he felt as though God had hidden his face from him. 
With the Lord's help, I want to preach to you tonight from this psalm under the title, When Darkness Seems to Hide His Face. We're going to consider these words of David under three headings. How David felt, how David responded, and then what David did. Let's begin with how David felt. I'm sure you caught the recurring question at the beginning of this psalm. We read it four times. How long? Perhaps you've been there when every day it it was the same thing. Lord, how long? It's like life is, is moving in slow motion and you're not sure it's ever going to get better. I would submit to you tonight that this is the hardest part of any trial, the duration of it. I know some may say, no, Brother Prater, the hardest part is the depth of it. That is how bad it is on any given day. And I understand that because some trials can take you down to points in your life that you've never been before. And none of us like to go there. But as far down as some here may have been, including myself, I still contend it's not the depth of the trial that is the hardest. Perhaps some would say the hardest part about a trial is the darkness of it. That is how uncertain it is in a moment. And that's understandable. Most of us have been in situations where there just seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel. It's like we're totally blind. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. We don't see any help in sight. And granted, that's hard. But I believe that that most of us here tonight could deal with the depth and the darkness of any trial if we only knew how long it was going to last. It's the uncertainty of not knowing the length of suffering that is the hardest. In his four how long questions, David experiences a variety of of feelings, one of which was the feeling of being forgotten. Look at it. How long will you forget me? Forever? What a terrible feeling. Now, to be forgotten by other people is one thing because we always have God to lean on. But to feel that even He has withdrawn from us is an absolutely hopeless feeling. Let me say this tonight. David's perceptions as are our perceptions 
were inaccurate. Because what he feels is the case is not the case. But that doesn't change the fact that he feels like it's the case. When we have such strong feelings, those feelings have a tendency to create their own reality. This is exactly why we as believers must not rely on what we feel to be true, but we must rest on what we know is true. And what we know is true is that God promised to never leave us nor forsake us. In the book of Isaiah, Israel, as a nation, felt forsaken and forgotten. But listen to God's response. He asked them this question, can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the child of her womb? And then he says this, yea, they may forget Not likely, not probable, but God says, hey, even if they could, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. One writer illustrated God's endearing or enduring presence like this. He said, God's care for his children is like the sun. It's constant. Even though the clouds obscure it, it doesn't mean the sun isn't there. It's always there. David felt forgotten. And he was also very sorrowful. He said, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? I'm going to say something that perhaps some of you can relate to. Many of those who find themselves in darkness of soul, often find themselves, and I mean often, many times a day, find themselves on the brink of tears. And they don't even know why they're crying. And they wrestle with those emotions every day. And lest we think we're the most carnal person in the world for feeling this way, just remember that David, a man after God's own heart, was there too. So we see how David felt. Then we see how he responded to how he felt. David responded 
by crying out for help. I wish Katie Connor would have cried out for help. Katie took her own life a couple of weeks ago. She and her father, Brother Kenton Connor, who pastors the Victory Baptist Church in Lakin, Kansas, worked together as EMTs for Kearney County. Brother Connor and his wife reported Katie missing on Sunday, August the 20th. She was supposed to come by their home that morning, and she never showed up. And unfortunately, authorities found her deceased body the next day. And let's be careful tonight not to think that those of us in the ministry are exempt from these kinds of struggles and these kinds of dark thoughts because we're not. So if you're here or if you're watching via live stream tonight and you're choosing to try and work through your dark time alone by yourself, please stop. Amen. Please stop. Please seek help from someone who, if nothing else, can lend a non-judgmental listening ear and an empathetic heart. It's really not good for us to live in any realm of denial when times of darkness descend upon us. If we try and, and, and just suck it up, then we do harm to ourselves and to those around us. A few months ago, a pastor who I still have not met reached out to me at the suggestion of a mutual friend. He too had suffered a heart-wrenching loss of a member of his immediate family. And as he shared his heart with me, I shared mine with him. And I told him that there was a time after our son's death that I felt I had to stay strong. That I had to just suck it up for my family and for the ministry. 
And I did that for a long time. But there finally came a day when I just couldn't do it anymore. And it was like the bottom dropped out from under me emotionally. And I just crashed. I was done. As soon as I said that, this pastor just started sobbing uncontrollably over the phone. And I'm guessing for the next two or maybe three minutes, all I could hear was this man sobbing and crying. When he was finally able to talk, he said, Brother Prater, he said, that's me. He said, I didn't know it was okay for that to happen. And so I have been fighting against it for over two years now for the sake of my family and for the sake of the ministry. Would you listen to me tonight? It's okay not to be okay. I know that sometimes we as pastors and ministry people, we've got an image to maintain. We've got to be strong and we've got to be brave and we've, we've got to have it all together. But guys, listen to me. It's okay not to be okay. Amen. What David did is so important. He cried out. He sought help. Listen to me tonight, church member. You are not alone. Listen, ministry person. You are not alone. I'm thankful for those people in my life that I can reach out to for help. But ultimately, my greatest source of help is the Lord. Amen. At a time when he was down and depressed and was feeling abandoned and alone, when he was so overwhelmed by the darkness, David cried out to the Lord. He cried out for consideration. He said, consider and hear me, O Lord my God. It's like David is praying, God, look at me. Pay attention to me. Give consideration to my plight. Hear me and help me. David also cried out for illumination. He said, lighten mine eyes 
lest I sleep the sleep of death. David's darkness had led him to such despondency that he felt he was going to die. So he cried out to God to turn the lights back on so he could try and make some sense of what was happening. And church, it's okay for us to pray that same prayer. God, turn the lights on. Lord, show me. Lord, help me see. But be forewarned. God doesn't always turn the lights back on. We have no indication in the verses following David's cry that he received the illumination for which he prayed. And I suggest a possible reason for that, and that's all, this is just a suggestion. But could it be that God wanted David to learn to trust him as much with the lights off as he did with the lights on. <laughs> lights on or lights off, God is still God. So we know how David felt. Felt forgotten. He was very sorrowful. And we see how David responded to how he felt. He cried out to the Lord. He cried out for consideration and illumination. And finally, we see what David did. David made a threefold commitment. And watch this. Please don't miss this. He made it while in the dark. Did you get that? He made these commitments while in the midst of the darkness. David committed to do these three things, whether God turned the lights on in his life or not. Write them down. He trusted in God's mercy. Mercy speaks of God's loving kindness. And note here that David, we've already talked about how he felt and his feelings were real, they were raw. And yet David is now fighting against his feelings. He feels forgotten and abandoned and forsaken and he feels it all day long. He can't make any sense of the darkness that he's in and he's not even sure how much longer he can go on. But he said, I will trust you. God, I don't know what's going on, 
but I trust that you are good. God, none of this makes any sense to me, but I trust that you are good. God, I don't know how long this will last, but as long as it endures, I will trust that you are good and that you love me. Now understand this, and Brother Paulie alluded to this so clearly and plainly this morning. This is not an emotional commitment. It is a volitional one. That is, he makes a conscious decision regardless of how he felt in the moment to commit to what he knows and not to what he feels. And that is so important. At some point, David said, I'm just not feeling it. But here's what I'm going to do. He made a conscious choice, a deliberate decision to trust God. David's second commitment was this. Look at it. In verse 5, but I've trusted in thy mercy. He said, my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I can't tell you how many times this year I have sat in the auditorium of Fellowship Baptist Church and heard our son, who is now our pastor, Remind us as a church that we never outgrow our need for the gospel. And I'll be honest, it took me a while to to really grasp that and understand what he was trying to say. And then I got to reading and studying Psalm chapter 13, and it was like a it was like a light came on. You know, he's right. Even as saved people, we never outgrow our need for the gospel because the gospel reminds us of what God has done for us. Rejoicing in God's salvation, like trusting in his mercy, is volitional. It's something that we choose to do even when we don't feel like it. We choose to rejoice in Christ's death on the cross for our sin in our place. We choose to rejoice that in his burial, our sins were buried with him. We choose to rejoice that he didn't stay buried and that today we serve a risen Savior. And we choose to rejoice 
because of his salvation, we will one day spend eternity in a place where there will be no more tears and no more death and no more sorrow and no more crying and no more night. No more darkness. And we choose to rejoice in those things. I just don't feel like it. I, we, before we got here, Katie and I did a marriage retreat in, in Florida, and, and, and I kept repeating this over and over and over again to those couples, and I'll tell you tonight, you say, well, preach, I just don't feel like it. Listen to me tonight. It's easier to act your way to a feeling than it is to feel your way to an action. If you wait to rejoice in God's salvation until you feel like doing it, you'll never do it. But listen to me tonight. If you will just scrape off a place and get alone with yourself and say, God, I'm choosing right now to rejoice in your salvation. I promise you the feelings will follow. The feelings will come but we've got to choose to do it even when we don't feel like it. Because it's easier to act your way to a feeling than it is to feel your way to action. I will trust in your mercy. I will rejoice. I will rejoice in your salvation. And I will sing of your goodness. Verse 6, I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to ask our musicians to come and Prepare for the invitation tonight. Despite what may be going on in your life right now, listen, there are still plenty of good things that God has done for you. And once again, we must rest upon what we know and not what we feel to guide us. Singing unto the Lord, whether we're good at it or not, is a great way to bring light into our soul. What did Paul and Silas do during one of the darkest days of their lives when they found themselves in prison? They sang. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. 
David said, though it's dark and I don't understand and I can't comprehend and I don't see any end to this, I will sing unto the Lord. It could be that you're in a dark place right now for whatever reason. And sadness has overtaken you like a giant wave crashing onto the shore. And you feel like you're being crushed by the weight of it all. Perhaps we're in Psalm 23 this week. Perhaps it feels like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But God is not with you. And there doesn't seem to be a path anywhere that can lead you out. I want to encourage you to lean in to your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ more than you ever have since you've been saved. In the darkness of this particular time, if the darkness of this particular time has seemingly, seemingly hid God's face from you, I'm going to say it again. Lean into what you know to be true according to his word and rest in his unchanging grace. Let's stand our feet tonight. Here's what we know to be true. He has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Here's what we know is true that God is still God with the lights on or with the lights off. Here's what we know. We know that the God on the mountain is the God in the valley. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.